Lord, we just thank You tonight for Your goodness to each and every one of us. We thank You, Lord, for another day of life, another opportunity to know You, to know You more deeply. Another opportunity, Lord, to learn about You in the arena of life, to see Your faithfulness, to feel Your strength, to experience the reality of Your promises in our life. We ask You, Lord, tonight to teach our hearts. We ask You to open up our minds and our hearts tonight and that You'd give us insight for living. Lord, we're here tonight. Uh, These folks are here because they want to learn how to bring more balance to their life. We ask You that You would show us that tonight in a very practical and effective way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Steve, could you turn these off again, these front monitors for me? Thank you. I had some folks come up to me tonight and grab me by the throat and say, this better be good tonight. But I just want you to know, you got to look to the Lord for that. If it's ever any good, it's because of the Lord. And if it's ever not, it's because of one of two things, me or you. <laughs> and I take responsibility for me. You just take responsibility for you. I have... Um, Four things, really, I want to share with you tonight, and I call this life management, all right? So we're going to talk, get very pragmatic tonight. What I've been wanting to do the last four weeks, well, the first week was introductory, to let you know what we were going to do, and then to emphasize to you that the Lord is not trying to burden any single person, ever. The Lord is not a burden. We need to burn that on our mind and on our heart on our spiritual psyche. The Lord's commands are not burdensome, First John says. And Jesus said, Come to Me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light, and you'll find rest for your soul. I know that is not what we think, Naturally, it's not what we believe. It's sometimes we don't think we experience that. But by faith, that is a reality. I was reading this morning as I was spending some time with the Lord today, Psalm 55. And David's talking about all the difficulty and the oppression and the enemies that he has in his life. And he says, cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken or to be moved. You know, we don't have to go through our lives stressed out, bummed out, fragmented, or broken. But we've got to learn to believe what God says and depend on Him. We'll get into that more next week. But that's how we started the first week. The next three weeks after that, we're all about God's priorities. What God's standard of commitment is. What are the priorities God has for us in our life? We talked about the fact that God wants us to live our lives to please Him. And that we're under new ownership. Our life, whether you like it or not, hopefully you'll come to like it because it's the best thing that ever happened to you, is that you got a new owner. Kind of like, uh, you know, Dion Sanders. But you got a better deal than Dion. The owner that bought you and bought the rights to you is a lot more benevolent than Jerry Jones ever dreamed of being. And you've got an eternal home 
And God lives in you. We're under new management. We've been bought by His blood. We talked then about practically what are the priorities God wants us to live out. I'm not going to go over those tonight. What I want to talk to you about is then life management. Alright? Basically, I'm talking about life management because I believe it's more effective than time management. But we'll get to time management tonight. Alright? But what we need to do in our own lives is manage our lives. We need to think of in terms of life management. Life management boils down to four things. There are four points for effective life management. Okay? So I'm actually going to give you some points tonight. Alright? So the first one, and we'll talk about it. I'm not going to give them to you all at once. So keep you waiting in suspense and see if you would have said the same four. All right. Number one, manage your life according to God's values, principles, commands, and His Word. Manage your life according to God's values, God's principles, God's commands, and God's Word. Now that's very, very strategic. That's very important. That's where you start. All right. It is impossible to manage your life effectively. It will be impossible to discover real balance in your life if you don't start with the right programming. Another way to look at this, if I was here giving you a secular talk, and my name was Stephen Covey, which it's not, thank goodness, I would be talking to you about your dreams, your goals, and what you hope to achieve in your life. To a Christian, those things are anathema. Those things are the antithesis of what we live for. For whoever would come after Christ must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow God. So I'm not going to talk to you about those things, because to a Christian, we don't live for those things. That's why, in order to have effective life management, you must start with... God's values, God's principles, God's command, and God's Word. Do not manage your life according to a secular or worldly point of view, your dreams, your agenda, or the world's values. The Bible, Jesus told us in the Gospels, that the things that are highly esteemed among men are detestable in the eyes of God. I was watching the news tonight, and I'm going to try to get a hold of this report the most definitive report that has ever been done, it, it, I think it's been 20 years, called the Carnegie Report, on children in America by a secular organization has finally finished and the results are devastating. If these do not open the eyes of Americans, of moms and dads, I, there's not much hope. One third of all adolescents, it found, will try to commit suicide. One third of all of our children. And basically they cited three reasons. Three reasons for the devastation going on in our kids today. The divorce rate. The fact that both mom and dads are working and they're not at home and they are not able to have time to establish a relationship with their kids. And the rise of single parenting. We need to accept responsibility. Now, if we all as a society had been living by God's values, I swear to you, tonight, we would not be in the moral and societal danger 
in fact, traumatic difficulty that we are in today. We valued money more than we valued life. We valued ourselves more than we valued commitment. And it is costing us, brother and sister, it's costing us. I don't say this in any way as an accusation, but to simply highlight to you, we must live differently. Or there's a great price to pay. I, I, I would just want you all to realize that as a society, our rebellion against God is costing us dearly. Every two hours, a young person is shot and killed in this country. Every two hours. Our kids have no moral guidance, no moral leadership, because as, as people, we have abandoned our children. We killed one-third of the baby buster generation by aborting them. Now, I want to tell you something, people. We are in a serious state of affairs. We are in a state of siege. We are in a desperate state of emergency. And we as Christians are the last line of defense. Of all people, we should be living for different values, different principles, a different point of view. And if we haven't been, we need to repent and get on with what God wants us to do. I am not pointing fingers at any ethnic group and any people as a society. We together, I accept responsibility as the early prophets did as they fell on their face and said, God, forgive us. I ask God to forgive this nation because I feel partly responsible. I myself spent many of my years rebelling against God. It's just time, brother and sister, that we stand up, we stand tall, and we're not afraid to be different anymore because different really is better. The world is crumbling and they're fallen and they're broken. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word. There is no way in the universe you will have proper balance, you will know what to value, you will know how to live if you do not ardently, passionately commit to following, knowing, and obeying the word of God. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is costing us pain and suffering in human life every single day. It doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. And for us as believers, we it, don't you see, by contrast, it is so easy to stand out in our society. It is so dark. It is so easy to be different. It's so easy to be appealing. It's so easy to have the light of Christ shine through us if we just manage our life according to God's values, God's principles, God's commands, and His Word. There's an awful lot at stake. I want you to realize that. There's an awful lot at stake. I am challenging you in love to reevaluate everything you do. If, you, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't fit here tonight, don't wear it. Don't need to put it on. I don't want anybody walking out of here tonight. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you at all. I am trying to awaken your conscience, your soul, in any way that God wants to awaken it. Don't blame me if the Holy Spirit convicts you. That gets so old, you know. It gets so old. 
If God wants to speak to your heart, then let God speak to your heart. It's the best thing that could happen to you. God is not trying to bum you out, dishearten you, or make you feel bad. He may, though, just be trying to save your life and save the life of those you love. It's not worth it. I, I hope you realize this series I'm giving now on the weekends ties right in with what I'm sharing with you. I usually do that. To give you a double whammy. That's why I'm talking about quality of life. We're talking about balance here. It's not worth the price you pay. None of it will last. It's time to get on with living for eternal things. So take, I am always stepping back in my own life. One of my prayers... <clears throat> Found in Psalm 139. The last verse says, Search me and try me, O God. Search me and know me and see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I don't want to go on an offensive, hurtful way. I don't want to go on shooting myself in the foot. And I fully acknowledge that there have been blind spots in my life. Many years ago, after I'd known the Lord for six years, I wanted to begin in the ministry. I loved the Lord. I was reading my Bible. Loved my family. But I had a problem in my life. And to be frank with you, I wasn't really willing to face it. I had a terrible temper. And I'd fly into fits of rage in my relationship with my wife. It didn't happen, you know, every day. We had a good marriage. But there was this blight. This bad thing. The best thing that ever happened to me. The best thing that ever happened to me. And it was a critical moment. It was one of those defining moments that each of us have at different times in our life. A man who loved me came and rebuked me strongly. In some ways, very harshly. But God used it. And I realized for the first time in my life, I am not a man of love. And if you do not have love, you are a loud noise, you're obnoxious. The Bible says you are nothing without love. And it shook me to the core of my being. i never been so discouraged in my whole life. And after six months of wrestling and struggling, I realized God, desperately crowded, I did not know how to change. I cried out, God, change me. God began to change me. I would not be here today if I had not been willing to reevaluate the deepest, most personal issues of my life. And I tell you this, I still have that willingness today. We must have a willingness to look ourselves in the mirror, say, God, change me. God loves you. He does not hate you. He wants the best for you. So get into His Word and find out what it is. Now then, number two. This is where the rubber meets the road. We must manage our time so that our time reflects number one. We must manage our time so that our time and our scheduling reflects number one. It's so foolish for us to say, I love the Lord. I want to follow the Lord. But our schedule, our daily routine, does not reflect those priorities. We seldom pray except over a meal. We seldom read our Bible except in time of crisis. Other things take priority over fellowshipping with the brothers and sisters. The Bible says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another day after day, 
lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need to meet together regularly. We need to make sure that we guard carefully. There are exceptions. There are times you can't help it. There are scheduled conflicts. But we need to guard those times when we're going to get taught the Word or we're going to pray with others or we're meeting with other believers. We need to guard that to the best of our ability. Now, there are extenuating circumstances. I'm going to get to that tonight. All right? We need to make sure that our schedule, our planners, reflect the values of relationships. There is simply no excuse, husband and wife, for not talking every day. <coughs> and talking at length at least once a week. You just, you're not, you're not, you're going to make a marriage. That's the most important relationship in your life. And not developing and having time with your children. So if you can't, if you honestly step back and go, well, that's a value, that's a biblical priority, but gee, I'm not able to do it like I like. That's no problem. Change. There's no problem. Just step back and go, so what are the reasons? Now, I'll get to something a little later that may make it difficult, and it's fine. You may be going through a time right now at work, a season of work, where you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. That's okay. I'm going to get to that today. That's okay, just so long as it's not your life. I mean, like it goes on for the next 10 years. Then the kids are growing gone. And if it is, if that's the norm, no problem, quit. Not until you find another job. <laughs> Begin looking for something different. Something that fits in with the priorities and the things that you value most. See? And then that's, that, then you're always on solid ground. Your house is right on solid ground. It's like, Lord, I always know what decision to make because I evaluate it in light of the Scripture and the Scripture lights my path. It lights my path. Not only lights my path, but it shows me the path. It's the path and the light. Very important that we schedule these things and God's commands into our days, our months, our years. For example, like hospitality. The Bible tells us to be hospitable. Look at your schedule. Now many of you don't have a schedule, and I hope you got the point last week you need to get one. Alright? You really do need to get one. I mean, even if you're like me, now I'm an eclectic person. Hey, by the way, you want to hear an interesting tidbit? So, some of us in this room fit into this. You're probably going to think I do, but this was really interesting. You know, there are there's a guy who recently did research on weird people. <laughs> different people. I mean, really different people. You know where the, where the majority of them live in the United States? Where? Where? St. Paul. And you know who the majority of them are? Women. <laughs> I'm just telling you what the report said. But I'm one of them. I'm sure I'm one of them. Do you know? They marched to a beat of a different drummer. And they had a little test in the USA Today that you could take to find out if you were one of the different people. <coughs> Anyways, Christians, we all... We are peculiar. What? I, never, I, I know. I just—they said Saint Paul. Saint Paul is kind of weird, you know. But 
But I, but I got to admit, I like St. Paul better than Minneapolis. I'm sorry. I, anybody else feel that way? Yeah, all right. There we go. The weird people right here. We're raising our hands. Okay. Well, that, that's just beside the point. Okay, now, back to what I was going to tell you. Like hospitality, see? We need to take out our schedules. You look at your schedule and you ask yourself this question. When was the last time we had anyone in our home to entertain for the purpose of bringing them to Christ or building them up in the Lord? Maybe they already know the Lord. When's the last time? Now, maybe you host a small group once in a while. That's good. That's progress. But how about other times? Or let me ask you this. When was the last time you personally shared your faith with another person? There may, uh, you know, did you know? Evangelical surveys in a book that I have at home called Vital Signs found that 98% of Christians never share their faith with anyone their whole life in an active way. And if they do, it's once. It's once. Let alone once a year. Well, let's get that into our schedule. I've been so encouraged lately. I've been getting these really unique calls. And it's it's a sign that people are growing. And I got a call from a man the other day. He said, Mark, I was at work the other day. A fella came in. He's working on one of the offices, on the offices in my building. And he came running in. When he got in, he basically fell over. He turned white. He was gray. Look, I thought he was going to die right on the spot. And he said, so I got him some water and I got him a chair. He's panting. I said, man, you okay? He goes, oh man, I'm sorry. He took, it took about 10 minutes to catch his breath. Finally, the man looked at me and he said, I could tell he was really humiliated. And he said, I'm really sorry. He says, I'm dying of cancer, but I have to work. I don't have any money. And this friend of mine, he said, Mark, I, I missed the chance. Right then, we were alone. I wanted to share Christ with him, but I tell you what, I got his name. I got his number. Do you have any advice? I'm going to go see him. I just talked to him in the hall tonight. He's been to see him. He's in the hospital right now, dying. He can't even talk. I had a, something really encouraging to a young gal called me yesterday. She goes to a uh, St. Catherine's College, and she uh, she just came to know the Lord. One of the guys up here tonight led her to the Lord, took the four laws, sat down with her, shared Christ, and she accepted the Lord. And man, is her life changed. She can't. She doesn't know whether to quit St. Catherine's or where to get radical there. And I said, you know, do you like a good fight? Because I tell you, I'd love to be in the college classroom with you. This is exciting. Let's take on Bertrand Russell. I cannot believe they're having her read Bertrand Russell. Anyway, we had a really good conversation. See. But you know, for a lot of us, that's, that can be really foreign. So what I'm saying, you see, is in, in all these variety of different ways, we need to evaluate our schedule and say, you know what? Let's be honest with myself. Be honest with myself. My schedule, my time is not reflecting the values of God. That's going to change. And then you get it in there. And you, and you get a prayer list or you start praying for some unsaved friends. I mean, I... Just make a list of five people that you know, that don't know the Lord, that you know, that you could touch physically. You could have contact. In the same city, there's things, practical things you could do with them. Start praying for them. Well, see, the rubber's got to meet the road, brother and sister. And that's what step two is all about. It's no, no, no reason for us to say, I value God, I love the Lord, and we never do anything about it. And once again, if I can be honest with you,
uh, I'm actually very proud of of this church and many of you believers that I know are doing something about your faith. But I'll tell you, that's not the norm. That's not the norm. And for many of us, it may not be the norm. It's very easy to talk. It's another thing to walk it, get into a life, but I'm telling you what, that's where the dynamic life is at. That's when it gets exciting. So live it. Manage your time so it reflects number one. Number three. Alright? This is very important. The last two I've got to spend longer on. These are very important and they may surprise you. Number three. Re- you write down Romans 12, 6-8 and 1 Peter 4, 10-11. Romans 12, 6-8. <clears throat> I'm just going to read that one to you. Romans chapter 12. You can turn there if you like. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve it. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Number three. Remember who you are. Using your special gifts, talents, and personality to serve God and others. Remember who you are using your special gifts, talents, and personality to serve God and others. You all got that now? Alright. Never try to be someone else or someone you're not. Never, never try to be someone else or someone you are not. What are the passions God has put on your heart? What are the things you get excited about? And I'm talking softball here now, people. Okay. Although, uh, softball can be used for the Lord. Can. You can use it to meet people. But I'm talking about the spiritual realm here and what are some things God has put on your heart. Never compare yourself to others. I want to share something with you tonight. I, it is never ever, and I deeply apologize if this is, you've ever felt this. Myself nor any of the other pastoral staff, but I speak for myself tonight, have ever shared a personal example in my own life so that you would go home feeling bad, or like I'm better than you, or like, my gosh, I can never do that. And you end up feeling guilty. That has never been the point. The point is to simply be real with you, and to show you how in my own life, I am trying to follow the Lord, and what things He's laid on my heart, and what I'm trying to do. There are certain things, and I've laid this out to you very carefully, at least in my opinion. Again, some people think Mark's not very careful. Some people think I'm not very accurate, and I'm sorry if that comes across. I, I, I try to be really accurate. So I try to take the last three weeks and lay out very carefully what applies to all of us. The principles, the commands that are to guide our life. But there, some of those things may work out in our lives differently. 
I don't expect you, nor does God, to become Mark Darling, to get up here in front and be able to communicate in this passionate way. If you went home thinking that, please stop. Some of you, though, will end up probably being used by God in greater ways than I ever have. And don't ever let go of that if that's what God has put on your heart. And He's given you those gifts and those abilities and those passions. It's very, very important that you organize your life according to who you are. According to the spiritual gifts God has given you. That's why all right, it is imperative you go through Brent's spiritual gifts class. That's why he did it. Now, I have to admit, inadvertently, by accident, actually, by accident, I didn't know this as a young Christian. One of the blessings that I have, and this is where Brent and I is different, and he'd be the first one to tell you this. I've never wondered what God wanted me to do. Never. Not since the first week I started following the Lord. Maybe it was because I was raised Baptist and, and my personality automatically fit the Baptist preacher. I mean, I really don't know. I'm being very honest. I don't think it's because I'm so neat. I really don't. But I knew in the first week, God called me to be a preacher, teacher, and a prophet. An evangelist. I mean, I knew that. But many of you may not know yet what God has for you or what exactly your gifts are. And I don't want you to feel bad because you know what? Brent's very different than I. In fact, when he and I got together, one of the defining moments of his life was the crisis of soul Brent went through when we got together. Do you know why? Because I sort of fit the pattern of what people think a pastor is supposed to be. And Brent's gifts are very different. But as a result of that crisis he went through, God's brought some wonderful blessing to this church called the Spiritual Gifts Class, and it has deburdened so many men and women. I strongly encourage you, as soon as it's up again, if you've not been through it, go through it. Because it's very important that you be you. And that you allow God to use who you are and what your gifts and abilities are. For example, Brent doesn't feel compelled to be in music. He never has. He never will. He doesn't have the gift. <laughs> he has the desire to see it be good. He gives me his input. He gives Jay's input, David's input. He has ideas. But he has no expertise there. has no gifts and abilities. I spent most of my Christian life before I did this, even after I became a pastor. Only the last three or four years I've not been involved in music directly. <clears throat> my wife. For example, some of you saw her up sharing. My wife focuses on the children out there. My wife has not been to a new community meeting in three or four years. Well, she's been, you know, to one or two when there's enough helpers. Mary Knox, on the contrary, is devoted to writing the newsletter in the women's ministry. Those are her gifts and benefits. And Mary shouldn't be going home thinking, I'm just not a real good example because children are harder for me than they are for Kathy. And Kathy shouldn't be going home thinking, I wish I could do more and be more eloquent and write and influence more. I'm just taking care of children. Everything is important in the eyes of God. Everything, every gift, every brother and sister, man and woman in this room is equally important in the eyes of God. We each are to give the contribution that God has given us to give. 
And I'll tell you something. One of the reasons I never get tired, well, seldom, seldom. I mean, I stay passionate. It's because I'm committed to do what God's put on my heart. I am very focused. That's why I don't do music anymore. Music's never been my passion. Never. I did it because I could do it. I was asked to do it. And I did it as a service to others. I would no more become a Christian musician than become an architect. Or some other thing. I don't mean that bad. Or an astrophysicist. I mean, why? Do I think music's valuable? You bet I do. Have I promoted it all these years? Yes, I have. I even have an album many of you don't know about. And, and hope you never do know about. <laughs> but I have known ever since I started following the Lord, when my mother and others were saying, Mark, Christian musician, Christian musician, I knew God needs mouthpieces. God needs prophets. And that's what I'm committed to do. And so I spend as much time as I can preaching and teaching, teaching and preaching, disciple making. Those are my passions. And I stay absolutely focused on them. Your focus may be different. But we're all together carrying out the same mission and cause. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Really? I hope this. I hope you're enjoying the freedom here because this is a really beautiful thing. Okay? Not because I'm saying it. Just because it's the Bible. Alright? Another point here. Do not compare your busyness to the busyness of others. Ooh, ooh, that got a reaction. Okay, the key is, are you serving God with your whole heart, seeking to carry out His will and His desires? That's all that matters. You should not compare, again, <clears throat> I have shared with you from time to time, because I'm your pastor, you're, you're my flock. I love you. I care about you. I've, I've let you know my life. I have never, it's never been my intention or motivation to make you think Mark's the neatest, most godly guy ever lived. Wow! And I can never be that way. That's not why I tell you that we homeschool our children. And I don't expect that all of you will do that. But I'm not going to hide my life. And I'm also trying to share with you how I have tried to incorporate the values, the principles, the commands as I understand them in my life and how I've tried to apply them and step out and take risks and I'm not afraid to be different. But that doesn't mean, I don't mean by that, that, well, if you really love God, well, then you should do everything exactly like Mark. Like, you should wear Nike shoes the same color and the same shorts and the same shirt or you really don't love God. That is never, ever, been my motive or intention. And if the devil's brought that to your mind, please crush him with it. Because that's never been my intention. My intention is to simply share with you I'm trying to live out my faith and be an example to you of at least taking action and pursuing God. And, and if, God, if God maybe brings you to some similar conclusions, that's great. I told you when I started this class, I told you, I told you, I told you, it is on tape. That some of the things I would share with you would be commands, some would be principles, and others would be my opinions based on how I interpret those for my life. Please be careful always to differentiate. But always feel free to allow God to challenge your life. The Bible says in Thessalonians, do not despise any prophetic utterance, but examine all things carefully, hold fast to what is good, let the rest go. I realize I'm going to say some things that's dross. I'm a man. 
But you examine it carefully. Let God speak to your heart. All right, number four. Number four. Now, this is very important. Turn to the good old book of Ecclesiastes. Very rarely do we get into that book. It might be a good one for you to read sometime. If you do read it, keep in mind that it is written, inspired by God, but much of it from more of a secular perspective. In other words, life without God under the sun. Some of you will recognize what I'm going to read here. Beautiful song that was written. One of my all-time favorites. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And on that biblical note, let me say this. Number four. Remember your season in life. Remember your season or your lot in life. Let me explain what I mean. Are you married? Are you single? Your life's going to be a little different. Do you have a few kids? No kids? Or a lot of kids? I don't know what a lot is. Probably, if the average is two, three would be a little more, four would probably be much, five or more would probably be a lot. I don't know. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, please. I don't know. It's just an example. Okay? Are you healthy or are you sick a lot? Is your present job requiring a lot of you right now? Do you have a lot of family obligations right now or financial obligations? And then here's one. Stepping out here now. Husbands and wives. We have different roles. Please remember you have different lots in life. Certain roles require different things from different people. Focus. Excuse me. I don't want to get to that one yet. God has given each of us different things to be faithful with. I really, I just try to want to underscore this about one billion times. If I had a, you know, a little thing up here on the wall, one of those overlaid jobs, I'd be underlining this thing. Underline, underline, underline. Remember your particular lot in life. It's so sad to me. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a, I went out recently with a couple and they, they have um, some children, smaller children, and their children, uh, one in particular, has had some health problems, and it's been a very demanding time for the husband and wife. And, and so they were, they were really stressed. I mean, in a major way. They were, at least they, this one, I'm just telling you what they told me. They were really stressed. 
And the whole time they're sharing, they're just pouring out their heart about 45 minutes. I'm just smiling. It's big inside. Not at them. Not on my face. But in my soul. Just this giant smile. I'm like, just kind of, I can't wait to talk. But I'm, you know, you know, this is so, this is so simple. I mean, there's such a wonderful, you know, truth here. They're going to be free. In just a minute, I can cut the chains of bondage. But I got to listen right now. So I'm listening and listening and listening. Finally, I said, I said, well, man. You know, I'm so glad you shared this with us. For one, I'm really glad you shared it with us. And uh, I really believe we can help. And they were like looking, just, really? Is there any hope? I said, sure. I said, quit going to church. I said to the wife, my goodness, there's no way you should be trying to keep up the schedule you're going. If you can't make it to church for the next month, stay home. You and your husbands have different roles, different responsibilities, and this what this wife, he was so stressed out. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to disciple this person. I'm trying to be hospitable. I said, "Hey, wait, slow down. God has given you a needy child. That's where you focus." For months, for months, sometimes almost a year, a year and a half, I would show up meetings alone without my wife. My wife had a, has had a lot of health problems since we've been married. I mean, for, for years, we go to bed at different times. Doesn't matter. I've done my fair share of laundry and vacuuming and household things. Trying to make up for what my wife could not do because of the condition of her health or her back or her underactive thyroid or all the other things that have come our way. So what? That's what God's given to you. I didn't compare myself to someone else and go, we're competing and we're not spiritual enough. Brother and sister, the devil's had you trapped. He's had you trapped. But you got to, you know, you're going to go through different things in life. Some of you, your, your children, some of you parents, have very challenging situations. And you not, may not be able to do all the things your heart desires. I remember looking back in my Christian life, a period of almost three years, I worked 70 hours or more a week. I never went to church. I had been one of the stalwart members. I used to lead the music. There was nothing I could do. I get the tapes and sleep in on Sunday morning. My wife went. She was like a church widow, you know. It was fine. We made it. I had deep financial obligations I had to get my family out of. And that's what it took. That's what it took. They're going, you've got to realize that you're in seasons of life. Now listen, I didn't neglect my walk with the Lord. All right? And I tried to stay in contact with some Christians other than my wife. One of the guys I rode, I, we carpooled to work every single day. Brother in the Lord lived right down the street. He'd keep me in touch with what was going on. I loved the Lord with all my heart. There were extenuating circumstances. There wasn't a whole lot I could do. It wasn't my desire, I'll tell you that. I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be involved. Let me ask you this. Don't you think Joseph would have rather been doing something for God than being stuck in prison? Don't you think Paul would have rather evangelized people than write a few letters in a dark dungeon that he stuck there for years at a time? Sure. 
But we don't always choose our lot in life, brother and sister. God does. I realize that many of you that are single wish you were married. Well, right now, maybe you can't choose your lot in life. God's giving you this light, so manage your life as a single. One day you'll be married, and you'll have new issues to manage. See? Or some of you that are single parents, you face tremendous challenges. I want you to know we realize that and pray for you and are seeking to do everything we can and everything to support you. It's so challenging. It's very, very difficult. And we're seeking to encourage you, but I, I wouldn't expect that some of you that are facing that challenge could keep up with the other singles in the church. And you shouldn't feel burdened to do so. Do what you can with all your heart. Some of you that are facing, you know, a myriad of other challenges. Like I said earlier, your roles are different. In marriage, they're different. We have tapes on that. Read the Bible. I hate to break the news to you, but read the Bible. (laughs) Read the New Testament. And we have different responsibilities and and different obligations. And we make a family work. And as we each do our part... We're co-equal. Neither is inferior. But if we each do our part, things will work. Things will work. Focus on being faithful with what and where God has you. Focus on being faithful with what and where God has you. The Bible says that faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing. He who is faithful in a little will be faithful in much. And I want to tell you right now, God has all of you in His seminary program. If you never thought you were headed for seminary, you're wrong. God has the best seminary program in the world. It's called life. And God is training you. I see my brother Peter back here nodding his head. Peter, how many hours have you been working for years? You going to chiropractic school? Is it 80 hours a week, Greg told me? 80 hours a week. How long did you do that? How? Four years. Over four years. He and his wife live in an international village. His wife manages his apartment. They got a little baby, a little boy, a couple years ago. Their twins died at birth. They went through that. While he's working 80 hours a week, they just had a new baby. He's just trying to get into a chiropractic clinic. But he still loves the Lord. His wife and he still love the Lord. They still tried to be involved in a small group. They did what they could. And brothers and sisters surrounded them and tried to encourage them as they went on that journey together. And it was tough. It was very, very difficult. But God has blessed them as they've just been faithful following the Lord. And I, many of you I know personally have gone through similar type things. If we have more time, it's our particular... If we have more time, then we can be involved more. Maybe you have children. You know, I have discovered, I'll be honest with you, when my children were little, um, I, I, I always loved... I love kids, all right? And I always spent time with them. But I spend a lot more time with them now. A lot more. When they were younger, primarily Kathy spent a bulk of time with the kids. 
And I would come home, sometimes I would redo them, or I'd take them, to the, like I told you a few weeks ago, to the dairy barns, and I'd do things with them. She spent the bulk of time with them. Now, um, she still spends a lot of time with them, but I spend a lot of time with my kids. Building my relationship with my teenagers, doing things with them, we relate almost as peers. Why? Because I feel I'm in a different phase in life, and it's very strategic that I stay very close to them. Now, I didn't distance myself from them then, but I had other things going on that I needed to do. So you've got all different phases of life coming at you. If you take God's word, if you go back to number one, and you cry out to God for wisdom, as the Bible says in Proverbs to do, God says, I, wisdom, will make the years of your life more fruitful and the hours of your day more profitable. I will show you how to make the right decision every time. There need be no mistakes. That's what Proverbs says in the Living Bible. If you seek God, then God gives you the insight in these different issues. There's no need for you to feel guilty or burdened. But there are times God may want you to reevaluate. There are times God may want you to feel challenged. Um, i got to get something back here, all right, that I want to read to you. So, just a second. I forgot about this. Okay. Don't go anywhere here now, all right? And if i got to find it. I wrote it down a year ago for this seminar, and I just remembered it. <laughs> Let me see. Once in a while, I... You know, you just got to learn how to organize your life in your own manner. You know, you really do. Now, get, let me give you a couple tidbits here while I'm looking for this. I, like I told you, I'm kind of an eclectic personality, whatever that means. That's what people tell me I am. I just know I'm different, you know. Um, that's not it. Here we go. Nope, that's not it. Um, here it is. Okay. First, let me show you how I organize myself. This kind of neat. See, I have this thing right in here. I'm the kind of guy that can't like sit down. So like, like Brent and I, we're different, but different is good. And each is effective in its own way. Brent, when he's going to do a teaching or he's going to share, or he's going to think, he sits down at his desk, pulls it up close to the computer, and his fingers start going. And he just, boom, out his mind they come and just order it on a piece of paper. And he prints out every word he's going to say on Sunday. That's what he does. And he'd die without his notes and he'd, you know, praise God he uses them. And he brings them out here and he shares with you. <laughs> See? And that's, that is fantastic. All right? I actually almost break out in hives if I've tried the same thing. No, I'm serious. I've tried. Not the computer. But, I, but I've tried. So what I do is I have this. Now, improving your quality of life. That's here. Um, and, and my spiritually balanced life. Oh, that's here. And all the comments I'm going to do here is in Texas in a few weeks. That's here. And as I have thoughts, they come to me when I'm driving or when I'm in the shower or some of the most awkward times. I, I quick pull out that little sheet and write the thought down. Now, if I don't have this with me, I don't have it with me tonight. But I usually carry this little tiny notebook with a little sawed-off pencil with a rubber foam coating and I keep it in my pocket. And if I'm working out and I'm on the exercise bikes in my fanny pack, oh! This dynamic thought comes to me from God. I grab it, I jot it down, and later I put it in its appropriate place. That, that's how I order my life. 
I, re- I don't live by notes. Um, I mean notes to myself. Where my wife, now she's very similar to Brent. Actually, Brent and I, we married each other. <laughs> to prepare ourselves for each other. That's really the truth. Kathy and Brent are very similar. Mary and I are very similar. And Brent and I married our female counterpart. Otherwise, although I'm telling you, it was preparation. I mean it. I don't think we'd be together if that hadn't been for those gals. And I'm serious about that. Some of you may have heard him state that, but I, I've sta- I mean it. Um, and so, you know, what I do see is I write down all my upcoming events. See, here in this month, and I got, I, I got a planner all the way up through 2001, man. It's right in here. Just to impress you, nothing's written in it, but you know. <laughs> And, and then, so, so Brent and Kathy, my wife, where she goes to bed every night, right by the microwave is a list of the 12 things she got to do tomorrow. You know, I, I got a brain for that kind of stuff. See, that's how I think. I got, see, I'm just telling you that's how I think. I'm not saying she doesn't have a brain. Although mine is starting to slip. And it's been discouraging. Pray for me, because I really am getting older and it's bugging me. No matter, I'm serious. I was working out today. There was a woman next to me. We looked at each other. She was going, ah. And I looked at her. She smiled. I kind of chuckled. She said, man, I don't know what's going on. Some days I come in here, I use the same weight, and it's like, ah. And other days I come in here, and I can barely move it. I said, you know, I've concluded it's my age. I can't believe it. You, it really is true. You decline. I'm not getting my youth back. I work out, I work out, and I feel more tired every single day I go there. And some days I walk in there, and just by walking in there, my legs feel like lead. <laughs> it's awful. I fell down. I fell down a month ago up at the Shovel Point up at Tedaguch with the pastors. We were up on an outing together, kind of a male bonding thing together. And, it, you know, I slipped like some old man. <laughs> you know, I slipped. I caught myself. My bone doing dips. I can barely do dips now for 35 days. It still hurts. You know, my son got his calf kicked the other night and a day later, it's fine. <laughs> it's frustrating. My mind's starting to slip. I walk out of the house. I locked, first time in life, I locked us all out of the house the other day. <laughs> do you know how humiliating that is? Um, so pray for me. Pray that my mind stays sharp and my body holds together and, and I can stay encouraged in spite of these terrible, traumatic things I'm going through. Anyway, so you see, everybody works different. But the key is, are you effective? The key is, organize your life according to what works well for you. Just get organized. Now, what was I going to read to you? Oh, yeah. Uh, see? See, you thought I'd forget. I was writing this to myself, so we'll just go down memory lane for just a moment. It came to me after a conversation with someone a year ago. Mark, you need to share one spiritually balanced life. Share basic guides and principles, people how to make good decisions, etc. Start by sharing Jesus' basic message of discipleship. From the basics, we make all of the decisions. Relax and enjoy the Lord. Four hang-up areas. Our own insecurity leads us to blame others for feeling guilty. Two, we believe people are judging us. In other words, I, I was viewing Christians who are feeling behind the eight ball all the time. 
which a lot of people came to the seminar because, like, I'm feeling, oh, man, I'm so inundated, I'm so busy. And I believe there's kind of four hang-up areas sometimes that, that get us and we need to recognize. One, many times when a pastor or a godly person or maybe on a radio, you're hearing a, someone share, you know why you feel guilty? It ain't because the pastor's a dummy. It's because you're insecure. It's because of your own spiritual immaturity and you're insecure. I used to have the same thing happen to me. I'd be sitting out in the audience and I'd think the pastor was making fun of me and pointing a finger right at me and feel really bad. As I got older, I began to realize, my goodness, he loved me with all his heart. I was just insecure and took it personal and was never intended to be so. Number two, you kind of start thinking everybody's judging you. You know, you become Joe or Sally Paranoia. You don't feel free at all. You think, oh, am I doing everything just right? Am I doing everything just right? It's the fear of man and you're living your life based on what you think other people think of you. Third, the devil. He tries to discourage inactive Christians by making, or excuse me, he tries to discourage active Christians by making them feel they aren't doing enough. And they always feel behind the eight ball. And four, the word. Pastors or leaders are to hold up God's standard and not compromise it. God reminds us of His Word. We either listen and adjust, or we harden towards it, and then we blame the leaders for laying a guilt and shame trip on us, when all the time, they're just trying to communicate God's truth. That's a very important point to understand. We can't compromise the Bible. How, how, you could never trust a man or person, or woman, who compromises truth. But sometimes, inadvertently, we feel bad. We think, oh, you're doing this. Well, it's not that at all. God wants us to have a ready heart to adjust, listen to the Word, and adjust our life in keeping with what God, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to say to us. Well, those are the points I want to share with you tonight. Manage your life according to God's values, principles, commands, and His Word. Two, manage your time so that it reflects, number one, work your plan and plan your work. Number three, remember who you are, using your special gifts, talents, personalities to serve God and others. Never try to be someone else or someone you're not. Never compare yourself to others. And number four, please remember what season of life or what your lot in life is right now, where God has you. Always be willing to adjust, evaluate, be flexible. Rejoice in the Lord all the time. Trust Him. He's leading your life. He's sovereign. Just respond to where God has you at. These things will really help you. Go home, think about them. Next week, we'll end with one last but very critical area. Okay? Let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Let me put this away first. See, you need a bag, see, that helps you be organized. I got my gel action in here going. I got a little place for my water bottle, my Bible, my toothpicks, my fingernail clippers, my switchblade. Lord, we thank you tonight for your faithfulness in each of our lives. Lord, I believe these are the four critical areas. And in talking with the other pastors, as I got their counsel on this, these were the four things we came up with together on what we believe are critical. 
to effective balance in our life. I pray you'd help us to take these really seriously, to go home, prayerfully consider them. Remove the dross, Lord. Remove anything that was just my words or my opinions. And lead these brothers and sisters in the everlasting way. Help them, Lord, to take action on what you've shown them tonight. And help them, Lord, to be willing to ponder more so you could reveal even more deeply maybe what you'd want them to take action in. In Jesus' name, amen.